Okay, the first reading is from Leviticus 11, and we're reading verses 1 to 8, and it's on page 113. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Say to the Israelites, Of all the animals that live on land, these are the ones you may eat. You may eat any animal that has a split hoof completely divided and that chews the cud. There are some that only chew the cud or only have a split hoof, but you must not eat them. The camel, though it chews the cud, does not have a split hoof. It is ceremonially unclean for you. The coney, though it chews the cud, does not have a split hoof. It is unclean for you. The rabbit, though it chews the cud, does not have a split hoof. It is unclean for you. And the pig, though it has a split hoof, completely divided, does not chew the cud. It is unclean for you. You must not eat their meat or touch their carcasses. They are unclean for you. Okay, so the second reading is Matthew 15, 1 to 20, on page 1024 of the Church Bibles. Then some, then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, why do your scriptures break the tradition? Sorry, sorry, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Jesus replied, "And why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, "Honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. But you say that if a man says to his father or mother, Whatever help you may otherwise have received from me is a gift devoted to God. He is not to honour his father with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. Jesus called the crowd together to him and said, Listen and understand. What goes into a man's mouth does not make him unclean. But what comes out of his mouth, that is what makes him unclean. Then the disciples came to him and asked, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? He replied, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them, they are blind guides. If a blind man leads a blind man, both will fall into a pit. Peter said, Explain the parable to us. Are you so dull, Jesus asked them? Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart, and these make a man unclean. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what make a man unclean, but eating with unwashed hands does not make him unclean. Well, what should we make of religious traditions? Uh, religious traditions can be very impressive, can't they? They can be performed by uh, impressive people. Uh, church leaders can have uh, letters before their names and after names. They can have strange hats and strange clothes. They can have great positions of power. 
And even without positions of power, people who do religious traditions are just impressive by their fervency, by their devotion, by what they're prepared to do. And what they do do can be very impressive as well. Getting down in the Ganges River doesn't look all that attractive to me. Washing your hands every time you eat bread, in fact, washing your hands in between courses, is impressive. I don't know whether you've ever seen people on TV who uh, have themselves sort of be crucified, nails driven through their hands in a religious tradition that is to show their devotion. What are we to make of these sort of things by impressive people with impressive traditions? Should we be impressed? Should we do such things? How did Jesus respond? What does he think about religious traditions? That's what we're seeing tonight in Matthew chapter 15 as some impressive Jewish religious leaders come to Jesus that they are not impressed with him and they tell him so and Jesus says what he thinks about religious traditions. We're on page 1024 and there's a sermon outline which I think will help you tonight as well. They come to Jesus, verse 1. Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem. These are the experts in religious traditions. These are the people who know what they're talking about, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And they've come all the way down from the big smoke, more importantly, from the centre of Jewish religion, Jerusalem. They have travelled to the back blocks, the sticks, Galilee. They've travelled for days to ask Jesus this question rather to accuse Jesus. Verse 2, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. There's this religious tradition of washing your hands before you eat. We saw it on the video. And they've come to ask Jesus about it. Why don't your disciples follow it like they should? How does Jesus reply? He gives them the politician's answer. Don't point the finger at me. Let me point the finger at you. And why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? Do you see here that Jesus contrasts two things, the command of God, the word of God, and the tradition of men, what they call the tradition of the elders. I've always thought in this passage that there must be something in the Old Testament, in God's word, that told you how you needed to wash your hands before you ate. And the Pharisees, in their zeal, in their eagerness to look down on others and to show how clean they were and better than everyone else, became the washing hands Gestapo. They took it to extremes and that was the problem but as I looked into that this week I discovered that God's word in the Old Testament never actually said you needed to wash your hands 
before you eat. We think that's obvious because of hygiene reasons. But they didn't know about germs back then. That's not the reason. They're trying to be ceremonially clean. And there are all sorts of things like what sort of meat you should eat. Leviticus 11, we read it tonight. But there was nothing about washing your hands unless you were doing a sacrifice and you were a priest. They have gone beyond God's word in their zeal. And Jesus wants that to be very clear. Religious traditions go beyond God's word. And not only that, he says, verse 3, religious traditions go beyond God's word and therefore reject God's word. Verse 3, and why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, honour your father and mother. But you say that if a man says to his father or mother, whatever help you might otherwise have received from me is a gift devoted to God, he is not to honour his father with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. This is a little hard to follow, isn't it? But we know that God said in the Ten Commandments, honour your father and mother. But Jesus says, you say, you can do it another way. You can set aside some money, give it to the temple, say, or maybe just vow it to the temple, promise it to the temple, and then you're not allowed to use that money to care for your parents, do you see? Quarantine it over here in a different account, and then you don't have to honour your parents. Can you imagine doing such a thing? In a world where there is no government pension where there is no superannuation, when your parents grow old and they can no longer work the farm and there is no nursing home to take care of them, you can promise your money to the temple and you don't have to look after them anymore. Parents, does that sound right to you? No. Children, does that sound right to you? I hope not. It doesn't sound right to us, and more importantly, it is not right by God. His explicit command was to honour your father and mother. And so therefore, Jesus says, thus you nullify, you make nothing, the word of God for the sake of your tradition. Religious traditions go beyond God's word. Religious traditions reject God's word. Do you remember last year when we celebrated the 500th anniversary of the Reformation and we saw that great principle of the Reformation, Bible alone, that we have our authority, that we believe things simply in the Bible alone. And that religious traditions, no matter how impressive they might be, they go beyond God's word, they reject God's word, they should be rejected. It was stark and harsh. And you may have wondered to yourself, is this really Christian? This rejecting of centuries-old tradition that was so important to people? Would Jesus think like that? Yes, says Matthew 15. Jesus is the first reformer, isn't he? Do you see how clearly he differentiates between the traditions of men and the word of God? Do you see how strongly he poses them? Do you see what great danger he says they're in? 
there is in religious traditions. They go beyond God's word, they reject God's word. And because, notice this, they reject God's word, they reject God. Have a look at verse 7. You hypocrites. Isaiah the prophet was right when he prophesied about you. These people honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. Do you hear Jesus' words? You hypocrites. You do one thing with your lips and another with your hearts. Is Jesus being a little strong here? Have they really rejected God? Well, did you notice that in the chapter before, Jesus has just fed 5,000 families with a few bread rolls and fish. The disciples' hands handed it out. And the Pharisees and the teachers of the law travel all the way from Jerusalem to say what? That's amazing, Jesus. You're like Moses feeding the people in the desert. You must be God's great prophet. You must be God's great king come to rescue us. No. What do they say? Why didn't the disciples wash their hands beforehand? They, traditions go beyond God's word. They reject God's word. And can you see here? They therefore have rejected God and his king. They worship me in vain. The word means empty, dead. In the ancient city of Petra that I visited last year in Jordan, people go there because carved into the rock face are these huge buildings, taller than this building, carved 2,000 years ago in an ornate way. It is extraordinary, and you think to yourself, there must be this extraordinary building behind carved into the rock with so many rooms for them to live in. But you'd be wrong. Do you know what's behind? One room, a cave, with holes carved into the floor to bury their dead. They worship me in vain. It is empty and dead. Beyond God's word, reject God's word and therefore reject God and in response, God will reject them. Have a look down at verse 12. The disciples came to Jesus and asked, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? They're very perceptive, aren't they, the disciples? Do you notice that? Jesus replied, verse 13, every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be pulled up by the Roots. Do you remember the parable of the weeds we saw a couple of weeks ago? The farmer planted good plants, but an enemy came in and planted weeds. They were thinking that the gardeners thought they might pull out the weeds, but he said, no, wait till the harvest and then we will pull it all up and burn the weeds. What does Jesus say here? Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted, that's the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, will be pulled up by the roots and burnt. They are blind guides. They lead people into the pit and they themselves will descend there too. 
No wonder the leaders were offended. I wonder, are we offended by Jesus here? Do we find Jesus too harsh that religious leaders, impressive religious leaders, could actually be leading people to hell? That their worship of God could be dead and empty? That he would call them hypocrites? Are we embarrassed by Jesus here. I don't think we have any reason to be embarrassed by Jesus. The average Aussie wouldn't be offended by what Jesus says here, don't you think? The average Aussie hates religious hypocrisy. Priests who do the rituals but abuse children. Church members who smile on Sunday but abuse their family during the week. The average Aussie hates religious hypocrisy. And so when people say to us, I'm not interested, religious people are all hypocrites, what should we say? You know, that's what Jesus said too. I think that'd be a good response. That'd surprise them, for one thing, and it would be true. Jesus hates religious hypocrisy, and so should we. What should we do about religious traditions? How should we respond to them? Should we be impressed by people who do religious traditions and the rituals that they conduct? Well, no. No matter how many titles they have, what power they have, what clothes they wear, Religious traditions that go beyond God's word and reject God's word reject God and they are to be rejected. Those who think you've got to have special rituals in a church service when the New Testament says absolutely nothing about rituals in church, that's to be rejected. Those who think the leader up the front needs to wear special clothes as if he is special. Those who think that only an ordained person should lead the Lord's Supper as there is a law in the Anglican Church. That's to be rejected. And since it's that time of year, what about Lent? Anything about that in God's word? About giving up a certain food for Lent? To somehow remember and celebrate and impress God that you've given up something as you remember Jesus giving up his life? No, I don't think so. For us it might not be traditions. We're not into traditions much, but we have rules, don't we? Christians Christians used to say, don't play cards because it was to do with gambling. After that it was Christians... Don't dance. Do you remember that one? What's the current one? I think it's that Christians don't smoke. Some unspoken rule. People that we looked down upon when there is nothing in the Bible about it. Reject religious traditions. How do you know what does matter? You need to read God's word, don't you? That's where God speaks to us and speaks to us to get rid of traditions and more importantly, perhaps, to obey him. Do you know what would be a real tragedy in response to this passage? If we were so busy pointing the finger at people with religious traditions 
that we missed the obvious positive application. What is it from God's word that Jesus highlights here is really important? Honour your father and mother. Do you do that in the way that you speak to them? Do you do that in the way you speak about them? As your parents are getting older, how will you care for them with your money and with your time? Religious traditions go beyond God's word. They reject God's word, so they reject God. We need to be clear about that. And we need to make sure that we actually submit to God's word ourselves. Secondly, religious traditions not only reject God, they are powerless. They cannot do what they claim to do. They cannot cleanse our hearts. There are all sorts of cleansing rituals, aren't there? There are all sorts of food regulations that religious people do. They wash their hands in a special, certain way. Muslims prepare their food in a special way with a certain blessing, so the food is halal. Uh, the Jews make sure the food they eat is kosher. And some Christians will not eat meat on Friday, especially on Good Friday. When my son and I were in Jerusalem, we tried to buy pizza. After about the fourth pizza shop, we were frustrated because every pizza was vegetarian. We couldn't figure it out. Then it dawned on us it's quite hard to make a meat pizza in a Jewish town. It's usually pig, do you see? We could, of course, gone across the road to McDonald's. They had a big sign up saying kosher. But we wanted a meal to eat, so we stuck with pizza. These sort of traditions, these ways of eating food are impressive, aren't they? But what does Jesus think? What does Jesus say about them? Verse 10. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen and understand. What goes into a man's mouth does not make him unclean, but what comes out of his mouth, that is what makes him unclean. Back in verse 3, we saw that Jesus doesn't really answer the question. He just points it back at them. But now he does answer the question. Why don't your disciples uh, follow the rules of washing hands before they eat? What's the answer? Verse 10, verse 11, what, because what goes into a man's mouth does not make him unclean. Why is that? Why doesn't it matter whether you wash your hands or not or what food you eat? Why do these religious traditions about eating not matter and not make you unclean? It's basic biology. Did you notice how Jesus says it? It goes into your mouth, it goes into your stomach, and literally, he says, it then goes down the toilet. How do you think food could make you unclean? How do you think washing your hands beforehand could make you clean? And I think we get this, don't we? It's obvious. We're impressed by people who can follow these food laws and these washing laws, 
but we get the fact that it doesn't do any good. We are not that dull. What we struggle with is the second half of verse 11. What goes into a man's mouth does not make him unclean, but what comes out of his mouth, that is what makes him unclean. The concept here or even the metaphor is not hard to get, is it? It's not what goes in, but what comes out. It's not so much the mouth that Jesus is focusing on as what comes out of you, your thoughts, your actions, your words. We get that. What we struggle with is where that comes from. It comes out, but from where? Verse 18. But the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart, and these make a man unclean. Why is it that you do and think and say bad things? Your whole upbringing... Your education, your own hearts want you to believe that it is not you that is to blame. These bad things you do and say and think are just an accident. They're not really you. You didn't really mean to do them. It was just the situation. You were trapped in. You were pressured. You were tired. Society is to blame. But Jesus won't allow us to think that. It is a lie. Have a look at verse 19. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony and slander. Do you see here he applies God's word to diagnose our hearts. He's already done the fifth commandment, honour your parents. Now it's number six, murder. Number seven, adultery. Number eight, Theft, number nine, false testimony. Where do these things come from? Out of your heart. If you have done any one of them, it has come from your own heart, not outside. And if you think, well, I haven't done those. Well, notice what Jesus says at the beginning. Out of the heart come evil thoughts. I was chatting to a woman in one of the nursing homes. We were about to have our church service there a couple of weeks ago. And she said, you did the talk last time, didn't you? I said, that's right. You talked to us about sin, she said. Don't you realise, she said, that we can't do that anymore? that we can't do the things that we used to be able to do, that we don't have the opportunity to do those things anymore? Why don't you talk about something that's relevant for us, like uh, politics, for example? I was a bit stunned, so I said, well, I don't, I don't really think you've got much opportunity to do politics in here, actually. But what was she saying about sin? That sin is just the things you do. And if your body is not quite as able as it used to be, you can't do it anymore. And talking about it is not relevant. And Jesus makes that very clear, doesn't he? Evil thoughts is not in the Ten Commandments. But he thinks it's important to put it here. He thinks it's important to put it first. Because that shows you it is your heart that is unclean. This is a big theme of Jesus, isn't it? Do you remember the Sermon on the Mount? You've heard that it was said, do not murder. But I say to you, anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject 
to judgment. Have you ever been angry with your brother or sister or parents or child? What about watching sport and you see the ineptitude of the players on your team? What about when you're behind the wheel and the person cuts in in front of you? You've heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I say to you, says Jesus, anyone who looks at a woman in order to lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. It's really good, isn't it, that we've had this recent focus on sexual harassment in the workplace. It is about time. But imagine this. Imagine if the surveillance at work could pick up lust in your heart in the workplace. Imagine the lawsuits that would be filed. Or bring it closer to home, perhaps. Imagine around the dinner table at night that we could finally dispense with that nicety of, so how was your day today? And we tell each other what we've been doing. We get rid of that conversation that we need to have and we can simply show a video. A video that shows what we've seen throughout the day. Not so bad, you might think. But the video doesn't just show what you've seen throughout the day, it's got subtitles. And the subtitles are not what you said, they are what you thought. When that person cut in on you, when you saw that girl, when you saw that guy, there is the thought on the screen for your family members to see. What are you going to say at that point? Oh, no, I didn't think that. There must be something wrong with the technology. Oh, no, that wouldn't have been me. Or I was having a hard day that day. You don't understand. I don't think you'd say any of those things. You would be so ashamed. And anyway, your family wouldn't believe you, would they? Because they are as unclean as you. It is what comes out of the heart that makes a man or woman unclean. Do you believe this? When you realise in yourself you have failed again, who do you blame? When you get found out, unfortunately, and you have to apologise, do you own it as yours? And when you hear what comes out of the hearts of others and it's so bad it makes it onto the TV news, are you shocked and surprised because you would never do such a thing. It is what comes out of your heart that makes you unclean. What could possibly cleanse us? Do you think not eating pig could do it? Do you think washing your hands again and again in a ceremonial way could do it? Do you think years of education and programs about bullying at school could do it? What possible hope is there to make you and I clean? Well, at the end of Matthew's Gospel, these religious leaders who seemed so impressive, who Jesus called hypocrites, showed what was in their hearts. They took God's king to a Gentile's house, an unclean house, and begged him to crucify 
Jesus. But they would not go into the house, lest they become unclean. That's what great hypocrites they were. And as a result, God's king, and it was God's plan, was taken outside the city to an unclean place and hung up on a cross to die under God's curse. Why? So he could make us clean. Do you think God's plan to cleanse us would work? Do you doubt it somehow and think you need to add a religious tradition to be sure? No way. Our hearts are unclean, but here is great cleansing and we can have confidence and joy. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus' honesty and courage that when he was accused of not following religious traditions, he made it clear that such religious traditions go beyond your word. They reject God's word and they reject God, Father, please save us from such hypocrisy. Help us to be clear about what your word does say and to be eager to obey it. And Father, help us to be honest as your word points out to us the uncleanness of our own hearts. Save us from pride. But Father, as we see our hearts, please save us from despair as well. Help us to see Jesus hung up to die the unclean one that we might be cleansed. Give us that confidence and joy we pray in Jesus' name.